And welcome back, spooky people. This is That Spooky Life, and I am your host, Miranda, and I am glad that you are here. I've got some fun things to get into today, and a spooky listener story, which I really love the title of, which if you're listening to this, you have already seen the name, is Displaced Graveyards and the Demons That Use Them. I can't wait to get into that personally. But, As you all know, my personal experience story comes first, followed by said graveyards and said demons. So, diving right in today, what I I struggled over what to call this one for a little while. Uh, But to be perfectly honest, Baby's First Exorcism really, really sort of says it succinctly. Um, I was not a baby, obviously. And it wasn't, we didn't call it an exorcism at the time that I recall, because I certainly didn't think of it like that for a very long time. However, that's exactly what it was. And I was a wee babby witch, so baby's first exorcism. We start our tale, not far from where I live. All of the names, we're just going to gloss over that. But I had a friend who lived in a family home that had been a family home for a very long time. And we had noticed over, you know, get-togethers and hangouts and just, you know, playing games together, stuff that friends do, that this friend had started to seem a little bit like Eeyore. There was an aspect to a lot of things going on. We didn't notice it for a while because they, they had been unhappy in some things. There had been some not good news, there were some not good situations, so we figured at first that, oh, this is a normal human reaction to stressful life events. It can get you down sometimes, it can put you in a weird headspace. But then it started to be more than just, like, the normal human reaction, and we recommended, well, not all of us, but I have a friend who you know, has, who does social work and has like a degree in that field and knew a lot of, you know, mental health specialists and had had some conversations about looking to getting some help and things like that. But the odd thing seemed to be that when our friend was outside of their house, which we hung out of their house occasionally because it wasn't the main hangout spot, but we did hang out at their house quite often. It seemed that when they were outside of the house, it wasn't nearly as bad. Now, again, you go to a witch for a broken heart. You go to a doctor for a broken leg. If you have feelings of a similar variety, it is always important to make sure that you're healthy. You know, go go to a psychiatrist, see what's going on, see if there's anything that they can do to help you. But this was odd because... There was their their normal human reaction, sort of down in the dumps, bad day reaction. But they were generally upbeat, funny, cracking jokes, pun times. Which is not to say that that can't happen with full-on depression. But it would get really strange. Like, a switch had been flipped when they would walk into that house. And... I want to say that one of our other friends had had like a strange dream about something weird and like horrible in the basement of this house. And we were talking about it one day. And so we decided to like 
witch perceptions to it. And there did, in fact, seem to be something going on in the house. Now, the way that I perceived it was like colors and distortions. And there was a bluish purple color to it. And it seems to have an attachment to my friend. Other people saw like tentacly tendril bits that were wrapped around coming up through the floor moving kind of like seaweed in the ocean and it just seemed to be a very strange thing but they all went below floor like there wasn't an attachment there were tendrils without an attachment and that didn't quite seem right so after doing some sensing and some research it was determined that going in to like the basement area to see what could be perceived was important so following feels following vibes we all went down there and when i tell you that the door to the basement was opened and i was like nope don't like that keeping in mind that this is not a normal basement this basement was partially a garage because the driveway would go down into what was the quote basement garage area and so it wasn't like normal basements it wasn't all underground it was partially daylight and the door was opened and closed fairly frequently and still the air was heavier the shadows seemed darker it was just a bad time now at this time i was not nearly as adept at perceiving things as i am now and i got vibes i got feels i got some little visuals enough to confirm that i was sensing the same thing that everyone else was and there seemed to be in the center of the house this pocket of just like horrible that was feeding on and perpetuating the negativity in the house which was odd it was upsetting and very strong vibe not feel good and it seemed to be a construct with kind of like a vortex going down to it. That night, we didn't, we weren't able to do anything about it that night because we weren't prepared. We were just investigating. We had a long conversation with my friend and he went into some family history stuff about how things went down between, you know, parents, grandparents, all of this negativity that basically here in the south no one talked about as it were and we came to the conclusion that it all had to go somewhere even when it was being ignored and not talked about and it seemed to just be collecting in the basement and had sort of gained sentience and was now perpetuating and feeding upon more negativity so one of my friends who was far more experienced our friends had been working together energetically and metaphysically for a while. So they, they sort of had a vibe and like a plan of attack. And we came up with things. We assigned roles. We went our separate ways, got what we needed to. And it was either like a week later or a couple days later. I don't remember. We all came back together and decided to cleanse the house upstairs do blessings, smudge, whole nine yards, and then go down into the basement basically to exercise this thing. And I might, exorcism is a, not entirely an accurate word. I just don't know what else to call it. It was kind of like a banishment dispersion of this negative well of weird jellyfish-like energy. I don't know. It was like an upside down jellyfish. It was weird. But we spent probably, well, we spent like an hour and a half upstairs 
making sure that every single part of the house had been smudged and was like a friend of mine was smudging. I was doing like energetic pull stuff, swept it all out the door. And then we, you know, blessed the doors and windows, all of that. And then we went downstairs and held the line as it were. My role was to keep the basement enclosed so that it couldn't escape, which let me tell you was not an easy thing for tiny little me to do. And it is, in fact, something that I have learned to be good at, but in not inherently good at. But it worked. Another friend was to basically keep it cornered while the two people taking point were actually doing, like, the banishment and dispersion and undoing. And it went on for probably not as long as it felt like it did, because there was a strange time distortion as I basically held the circle and was focusing really hard on that while also trying to sense what was going on, etc. But there came a point that it had gone on long enough. I was like, you know, are we are we actually affecting anything? Are we actually doing anything? It I could tell that there's energy going on because it's unnecessarily hot down in this basement. There's it's not small, so it's not just like these few people standing around causing a bunch of body heat to be hot in a room but when it worked when it popped when it dispersed and we went to move all of the negative energy out i opened the i opened the circle we put the negative energy basically back into the ground to be grounded out and positively used for something else in the future the entire house felt like it changed Like, there was a moment where we released a breath that we hadn't known we'd been holding. And whatever it was that was there, whatever it might have looked like to anyone else, was gone. And within the next couple of weeks as this, as these patterns changed, as the house blessing took, as my friend was more aware of these energy patterns and things like that, and this thing was no longer creating like a vortex of suck down in the basement, there was a noticeable, obvious change. You know, when I first started recording these stories, I I didn't really think of that one because there's not really a lot of, quote, spookiness to it. It's more witchiness than spookiness. But like the vibe was completely different. It went from being tense, scary, just dark, negative, blech, to feeling like the normal basement it should have felt like. And it had been there for years. Just chicken or the egg scenario when it started. Who knows on that? But like, at least for my friend, it had been perpetuating and feeding off of this negative energy. And to see the change both in the house and in him after we did that was a super validating thing. And yeah, the shadows weren't uh, too dark anymore. You know, it didn't feel as woogity oogity in in certain areas of the house. To my knowledge, it never came back either. I've been over there numerous times since then, though not in a while at this point. And it never felt as monster house as it kind of did before. It's a it's a bit of an over exaggeration, but. There was definitely a permanent change. So that was my first, and honestly, I would safely say my only real sort of like banishment exorcism. So that was cool. And that is my spooky story for the week. 
Karen Fortenberry thought all of her dreams had come true when she fell in love with writer James Carter. However, as their wedding date nears, she learns that her dreams may actually be her worst nightmares come true. To find out what happens, check out Achievement by Possession by author Diana Brock over at Abernathy Books. Abernathy Books features supernatural suspense thrillers of author Diana Brock, available in digital, audio, and traditional paperback formats. Personally, my favorite to date is Seal Evil the Nine Gates, and got the audiobook and could not stop listening. So, check her out on Facebook or on Amazon for your preferred format and get drawn in today. Abernathy Books and author Diana Brock. Need a little pick-me-up? Does something feel off in your very soul? Ariana Magpie is a small business that mixes aromatherapy and crystal healing. Run by lifetime practitioner and spiritual cleaner Astrid, Ariana Magpie specializes in custom aromatherapy candles charged with hand-selected crystals to achieve their most potent energetic effect to benefit your daily life. As a customer, I can speak to the quality, care, and focus that Astrid puts into each creation, be it seasonal or personalized. Check her out on Instagram at A-I-R-Y-A-N-N-A, Ariana, Magpie, 13, or for more information, email her at arianamagpie at gmail.com. Don't forget to mention that you were sent from the spooky side. Our listener story for the week comes again from beloved listener 13, who had the awesome, terrifying, like, machine EVP and the first EVP of the podcast. Huzzah! And today, I really just love the title that 13 gave it. Displaced Graveyards and the Demons that Use Them. Okay. Crack your knuckles, people. Get comfortable. Make sure you have a drink. We're just going in. 13 writes, I was blessed with a very understanding and accepting mother who, while Christian, was also not one of the ones that think everything different is wrong and evil and loves semi-pagan slash spirituality touches throughout her life. Her older sister was an author and together they accepted my abilities and sensitivity without question. It was on a spiritual weekend visit to my aunt's when I was a teenager that I have one of the stranger experiences of my young life. Oh, it is going to be good. My aunt had moved to Kentucky relatively recently, as her husband's job moved them around often, and I had brought a friend along with me to have a girls' weekend of meditation, spirits talk, and other witchy things. Through the twisting, dippy dirt roads that made us Michiganders go, I feel sorry for them when winter hits we arrived at the relatively modern house. On that first day, we chatted and wandered the property. My aunt had a surprise. Much to our sympathy and annoyance at humans, there was an overgrown graveyard amongst the trees beside the house, very much on her property. Weathered headstones lay toppled or crushed amongst the small area. The annoyance came not from the fact that it was a forgotten graveyard, but that the trees stopped suddenly and a subdivision had been put in. These genius contractors dug up most of the graves to put up cookie-cutter houses in the middle of woods and cow farms. That's, fam, that's how you get a haunting. Like, hard. That is desecrated holy ground. Like, no. No, no, no. So, 
We wandered around trying to get dates and ages of the headstones that we could find and that were not too far weathered as to read. I found a few soldiers, and my mother and aunt found the headstones of a little girl whose name I forget entirely but was able to be made out. My mother is a very sympathetic, empathetic type, so an utter sorrow washed over her upon finding it, and she felt the spirit of the little girl just wanted to be recognized. Or so she thought. That day, my mother brought flowers for the headstone and brushed off the mossy bits to give it that recognition. As I was with my friend, I did not know any of these findings, as we were up to other things because teenagers don't pay mind to their parents. This is fair. It was late afternoon, when I looked out the back windows through the back patio towards the fenced backyard, that I assume was put in by the previous owner for a dog to run around in, as it was not an entire property thing. As I look out the window, I saw in that third eye kind of way, the very distinct, very detailed figure of a young girl in an old-fashioned white dress with a large bow adorning her long golden hair. I am terrible at telling the age of people, but I figured she had to be about five. She stood at the gate of the fence, waiting. I felt the recognition that she had noticed me, and something told me that she wanted in. I ignored the request and went back to my friend to tell her what I was saying. Smart. That is, that is S-mart. A little later that evening, my mother and aunt come in and talk about the gravestone they found and the sensations my mother picked up on, of which I had had no previous knowledge before seeing the spirit at the fence. So I tell them my perceptions, and my mom describes to us that she had briefly seen a very similar-looking little girl. My aunt was there with my mother to corroborate her side. But there had been something off with what I saw. I didn't question the fact that the spirit had made a request of me, because that's what the book said happened with mediums. But seriously, that's not the type of sensitive I am. We have dinner, do a guided meditation, and go to bed. My friend and I slept downstairs, and my mother slept in the guest bedroom, which was my aunt's writing room upstairs, and we wouldn't talk to each other until the next morning. As I lay in the silence of the home, letting my friend sleep, not feeling all that tired myself, I closed my eyes and did my own meditation to see if I could find any more spirits on the property, and see what I see in how I sense the subnatural world. In that state, I was immediately taken to the little girl spirit. She had been waiting patiently, looking for openings and opportunities. It metaphorically felt as if she had taken my hand and took me to where I would feel more comfortable, more pliable. You see... I had not long before visited my family in Italy, and there was a three-foot stone wall around the mountain town that I loved dearly, and I can still describe in great detail every little sensation it sent straight through my soul. So this little girl took me to play on a half-crumbled stone wall. Her small body climbed up it like a child might and walked along it playfully. It might have been enticing, truly, had it not been that the age of the spirit seemed to shift. Her height grew and shrank as if it was struggling to keep the image. The physical age of the form changed wildly under my gaze, and I knew this was wrong. I already have chills, and you have not even gotten to, like, the meat and potatoes here, but, like, I read the title. Ooh, I got a vibe that I don't like. Okay. I finally decided that I was tired and needed to go. The spirit wanted to continue to play. It demanded that it be let into the house so it could do so. 
I looked it up and down, seeing it shift, seeing the wrongness, and sternly told it, No, you aren't allowed in this house, with a thinly veiled threat that should it enter, I was going to, quote, take care of it. It left, frustrated, but it did not try any further, and I mentally closed every window, door, and crack in that house. Good on you, fam. No, smart. The next morning at breakfast, our discussions turned towards the little girl again, and to my surprise, my mother's dream from the night before. The little girl had also visited my mother's dreams, trying to entice her to let it in by having two cats at its side. But when my mother told it no, the form morphed into a distorted, gaunt, demonic face. The cats twisted, skin tearing, and becoming thorny. The spirit was trying to terrify her into submission, but then it suddenly disappeared. The timeline lined up. The spirit, of which I was sure was a demon of some kind taking the form of this little girl ghost to enter that warded house, had visited us at the same time. But when I say no to something, there is no argument. There is no attempt to scare me, because honestly, I've always had the knowledge of the amount of energy I can direct and will chest bump a negative spirit out of my way. When my mother said no, and I said go the F away, it no longer could try. My aunt never had a problem with the demon again. There had been other spirits around, but they had been overpowered by this negative energy, so she tended the graves out of respect until she moved. <laughs> hey, demon. Bye, demon. Yeah, no, get out of here. Wow. Like, I was already suspicious when it was a little girl. Now, granted, there was a little girl grave. It made sense. I get that. But, like, but she was standing at the gate like, let me in, let me in. Not by the hair on my chinny chin chin. Hell yeah. That would be, I'm not sure that I would have been able to, to do that at a young age. I probably would have been like, no, you shouldn't come in. And then it would have tried to scare me. And I'd be like, you're definitely not coming in. I'm going to go tell my mom now and probably gone and slept in my mom's room telling her about the nightmare. But hell yeah. I love the fact that it's like, let me in. You will let me into this house now. I am a child. And you were just like, nope. Bye, Felucifer. Out. That is an amazing story. Thank you so much for sharing, 13. I love it. I hope that all of the spooky people have also enjoyed it because that is fabulous. And that is our listener story for the week. Which, of course, brings us to our witchy tip for the week. Yay! This one is one that I have honestly on and off had a difficult time with in my life because for a very long time I didn't realize that there was a noticeable difference. And I will get into what I mean by that when I explain my witchy tip for this week is living energy versus the dead. We are, as I have been saying, Coming on to the spooky dark time of the year, which is my favorite time of year, which is the time of year that the veil gets thinner and the other side is more noticeable and closer to us. And it also means that the subtle things of life, be them dead or otherwise, are also more noticeable. Most people hear the veil is thinning and they think you're going to see spooks and shadows and things like that far more often, which you will. But... It also just means that the energetic impressions of life can be glimpsed more easily. In my personal experience, 
on the difference between living energy and dead energy is that I will walk into a room and feel unease, but I have to stop and be like, why am I uneasy? It feels like there was a fight in here. And I will have to sit there and parse through, am I feeling echoes of a fight that happened today by somebody living and probably walking around this same area? Am I feeling colder echoes of a fight that was like really big and might have happened a little while ago? Or am I sensing some sort of like residual impression? Or is there an angry ghost in here? For me, living energy is more immediately what I perceive. Those are the the things that I personally pick up on. But I don't necessarily realize that that's what I'm picking up on. And that's something that I am working on in my own personal perceptions. I will just walk into a room and know something. And then I'll go, wait, wait, how do I know that? Wait, why do I know that? Okay, what exactly do I know? And have to sort of top down process. So I am currently alive and in a meat suit. Therefore, living energy tends to be warmer and more like body temperature, especially if it happened recently. The further away from recent that it happens, the cooler it seems to get to me. Now, this is not just like stick your hand in a spot and there's heat there, but like it also kind of is. It's just far more subtle. And then specifically say an intelligent dead entity not only tends to be pretty cold but I also seem to get like some hand falling asleep pins and needles type feel I'll get little prickly sensations energetically with living vital energy as well but it tends to go to like the your foot fell asleep pins and needles faster if it is something that is like dead energies, death energies, if you will. And I tend to be far more unnerved if it is, if it is dead. And I'm not talking about like unnerved, oh, I'm not going in there. It's just like, this is uneasy. Is it just uneasy? Or am I actually legitimately factually unnerved about what's going on here? And the problem with this is perceptions are different for everyone. We all have our own lexicon built up over the years based on society, location, personal experience, personal upbringing. Eyewitness is the worst account because you can have three different people see the exact same singular event and you'll have four different versions of it. When you put in to the mix the variable of having to interpret something because you can't see it with your physical eyeballs then you have to introduce the additional variable of personal lexicon so what works for me how i perceive it may not work for you but the idea that there is living energy versus dead energy and that they are different and that somewhere in between is residual though that does tend to be death energy at least by my scale and perception discerning why you feel something or how you know something or when you walk into a room what exactly it is that's making you go wait what maybe it'll be red to you versus blue 
you know, red is life energies, blue is death energies, or maybe it'll be blue for life energies and red for death energies. The point is not necessarily how exactly to discern it, because I can't, I can't tell you that, really. All I can do is tell you how it's different for me and tell you that there is a difference. And that maybe next time you walk into a room that has an oogity woogity feel, be it a demon dressed up like a little girl or an upside down jellyfish who is feeding on the negativity of your buddy, maybe knowing that there's a difference between vital, spiritual, and dead energies can help you discern what exactly is going on. And that is my witchy tip for the week. I would like to extend an excellent thank you again to 13 for another phenomenal story. You have a wealth of experiences, my friend, that seemed to be super awesome in my personal experience. And I hope that if you have more, you are willing to share them because I love it. I don't know if you could hear the clap of the microphone, but I'm going to leave it in an editing because I love it. So thank you for sharing that with us. And if you have a personal story you would like to share, oh dear spooky friend who I adore and always need listener stories, please feel free to send it to thatspookylifepodcast at gmail.com or poke me on Instagram at thatspookylifepodcast. And don't forget to go like us on Facebook. I actually got a Facebook uh, page finally set up. Know that I have some ookity spookity fun times plans coming up for spooky season we've got the 50th episode coming up we've got the year anniversary episode coming up and it's all gonna be happening in spooky time so you guys stay tuned i'm hoping that we are going to have a fun awesome spooky season together and i'm gonna be goobering about it until it happens yay however until next week when we have the pleasure of sliding into the in-between with one another yet again, I must always remind you, dear spooky listeners, to keep living that spooky life. Bye!